0: Welcome to the OIS podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi.
1: Hi, welcome back to the OIS podcast. I'm here with Stephen Slade, a corneal cataract refractive surgery specialist based in Houston, Texas. Uh, Stephen, thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, you're very welcome.
1: We're uh, obviously talking a lot about uh, ophthalmic innovation uh, heading into OIS and AAO. Uh, you were the first doctor in the U.S. to perform LASIK, it's, uh, the first to do uh, custom LASIK ablation, the first to use a femto laser for cataract removal. Uh, how, how does one get to be the first in line for uh, so many important technologies?
2: Uh, you know, you just look. <laughs> it's really good. uh Just, um, you know, I mean, after... Getting involved early with LASIK, I think uh, certain people in industry uh, felt that I, you know, that worked out pretty well. LASIK did, and we brought that technology into the U.S. And then I think that just sort of um, put me in the, uh, you know, right place. And then as things like the crystallines came along, and as intralays or femtosecond flaps for LASIK came along, and then um, uh, some custom ablation work, and then of course the latest is the femto cataract. Um, I had the opportunity to be the you know the first and to develop the technology. It's a you know I think it's a separate skill set to be able to take take something that's you know do it the first few times, but um, you know and I'm happy the way that all those projects went because now they're a sort of standard of care uh, in a lot of our practices, but. Um, the bottom line is, I, I think it was just you know sort of a lot of luck, knowing the right people mm-hmm. and being in the right place at the right time. I, I don't. There certainly wasn't any application that I filled out and aced or something. <laughs> <laughs> no lottery ticket that you scratch. No, no, no. It, a lot of it was just um, the kindness of other people.
1: How how important it is to have these new technologies in, in drawing uh, patients? We hear in other specialties uh, like. Uh, orthopedics now with the with the robots there people seem to be drawn to, to the newest and the best way of performing uh, surgeries how, how important is, is having access to these new technologies to you know, uh, to practice it, medicine
2: well once and there's sort of two questions in that Tom I think the first is how important is it to investigate a new technology and I, I think that's just absolutely vital uh, you know if um, especially in a field like ophthalmology where there's so much technology involved in ophthalmology we're not going to invent or build a femtosecond laser in our garage or (laughs) you know make that between patients out of a little piece of wire and some um, you know wood it's something that requires a uh, cooperation with industry so we have to have that and ophthalmology is so technology dependent again that it's extremely important to evaluate new technologies, uh, which is you know what I've been able to do, and just see how they work. Not all of them do really find a place, but a lot of them do. It's just the eyes technology friendly. Uh, a lot of things, lasers and ultrasounds, and it um, can all be applied to it. The second part of the question, or my answer, I guess, is how important is it to get involved with the latest technologies And, you know, so now let's say a technology like, um, you know, and I've seen this happen with all of them, uh, the technology is developed, it goes through FDA, it's approved, uh, and it becomes commercially um, available to doctors. At that point, it's really an individual decision by the doctor. I like to be a technology-driven practice. I like to have the latest things. But I think it still is a... Uh, individual decision of the doctor um, to look at a new technology, and I think it's a responsibility of the doctor to look at a new technology, familiarize himself with it, study it with an open mind, maybe try it if that opportunity is there. But then the decision is really up to the doctor. Does he think that this is going to provide value to his patients? Is it going to give him better results? Uh, safer results, more accurate results whatever mm-hmm. that, that that's the bottom line
1: are you more likely than not to uh, accept uh, adopt a, a new technology or are you more are you more likely to say no that's not quite where it needs to be or it just doesn't fit where we are right now
2: you know I, I see myself doing both mm-hmm. i you know and I, i'll go back to my uh, answer with the original decision or with the um, you know it, it's a separate decision on each technology while we've been very cutting edge with um, you know all the things that we've mentioned previously for example we're in my practice we're still struggling on uh, whether we want to go into electronic medical records mm. so I mean you know, we we love computers we've got them stacked all over the office and <laughs> I'm a computer nut and we love that technology but we just it, it, it's been kind of hard for me to give up my paper charts, everything else on the, in the office is computer, the billing, the scheduling, the, uh, you know, our um, website, everything. But uh, it's kind of hard for me to give up those paper charts where I get to write, hold it in my lap, have all the results there, talk to the patient as I go, you know, and I can flip through it and say, well, look at this test, show them that. It, it's, um, so I, I don't just jump into every new technology. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if it's a new technology, uh, in, in retina or glaucoma, where I am less, uh, you know, less versed, less experienced, uh, a lot of times I'll be um, in the, um, in, in that large group of, um, you know, the, the mass, certainly not the early adopters. Mm, interesting. So I, I see myself sort of, <clears throat> you know, being an early adopter, being a, somebody actually, I, I see my, I can look in the office Right now, and I can see technologies that we developed uh, and had, like, for example, the femtosecond laser for cataracts, we had the only one in the United States for a year mm-hmm. while we were actually developing it before they started commercializing them. I can look at technologies that other people developed, and we jumped on very quickly. And then I can look at uh, so where we were an early adopter, and then I can look at technologies where we were probably, you know, somewhere in the middle of the as the doctors came across and started doing that, and that can look at technologies like electronic medical records that we might be uh, towards the uh, we might be lagging towards that.
1: Interesting. We're going to take just a quick break, and we'll be right back with Stephen Slade.
0: OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net/forward/slash/application. Okay, we're back. Uh,
1: the, the The electronic, med- electronic medical record, uh, and this is a tangent. I admit, I didn't expect to get into this area, but uh, so many other specialties, particularly primary care, seem to be under great pressure to to move into EMR and to really get electronic. Do, do ophthalmologists, or do you, I should say, you don't want to speak for everyone, do you feel that same pressure, or, or, or is this uh, especially that's somewhat immune to those, uh, those pushes in, in other areas?
2: No, there, there, there is a lot of pressure to move into electronic medical records. Certainly, uh, you know, I think the government um, has, um, has put out incentives to move in that direction, uh, which I think is wise. The people that tell you it works well uh, are, uh, you know, believable, and that's a huge incentive. I mean, certainly I would never consider managing my life without a computer or iPhone, all that. So, you know, I can um, certainly, uh, if all my personal records, all of my scheduling, emails, everything is off the computer. So I can certainly see the potential value. It's just a very disruptive technology and then you hear um, that there are different um, different experiences with it. There's mm-hmm. there's different experiences from the doctors. Some doctors love it, that have integrated in their practices, and some doctors can't stand it. So it's a bad mistake. Plus, there's no clear uh, best system that, that I can And I, I, I look at this stuff, and I can't see a clear best system that's available Yet, uh, it's not like choosing between Mac and PC. It's, I mean, there's just, oh my gosh, I don't know how many electronic micro-record companies there are out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I would bet over a hundred that I could buy.
1: And that, and that's an area where you don't necessarily want or need to be the first mover because no. you don't want to be holding the dog. That uh, no, yeah,
2: no, not at all.
1: Yeah. We're going back to the the technology that really impacts the patients. Uh, where where are we in alphamic innovation is there sort of a hockey stick curve uh and if so where where are we on that stick is are we just uh, just beginning to curve or or are we are are we high up on the blade
2: right no i i think it'll do um nothing but accelerate um you know assuming no interference from outside uh you know the stock market crashes god forbid or you know funding or mm-hmm. something like that or the government takes over refractive surgery, or uh, patient pay gets eliminated. But assuming nothing like that dramatic happens, then, in my opinion, uh, innovation in ophthalmic surgery will just continue to accelerate. And here's the reason. We are not using distinct technologies. We're using technologies that are commonly used in other uh, industries. For example, lasers. Think how uh, pervasive lasers are through our world. Optics, how pervasive optics are. Uh, Many of the disease processes uh, affect other parts of the body. So we are able often, the original eczema laser was developed by IBM to edge computer chips. And it turned out other lasers did that job better, but we were able to take that laser, already developed, and use it for cornea. Mm -hmm. So my point is that we have the benefit of being able to adopt technologies, reasonably commonly, um, reasonably common technologies into our field. The other thing is that, so, so we have a lot of technology partners that we don't even realize mm. sometimes. We, the ophthalmologists were certainly not the first to use ultrasound or uh, femtosecond lasers or uh, maybe the first in medicine to use femtosecond lasers or eczema lasers, but not the first. These things were developed technology. So a lot of it we can adopt. The second part of my answer would be we have an increasing demand, and that's the baby boomers. Baby boomers are rich, they have plenty of disposable money, disposable income. They are uh, 10,000 people in the United States hit the age of 65 every day. Their numbers are projected in the next five years to double. And these people uh, want the very best vision they can possibly get. So we have a increasing demand, and an increasing patient population for better and better technologies. Uh, we could use, you know, better IOLs. We could use better ways to, uh, you know, cataract surgery can continue to improve. There's, you know, different, um, you know, refractive surgery techniques being developed. Uh, certainly. A cure for presbyopia uh, would be uh, a huge hit. So, you know, with a increasing and growing demand and with the ability to use other technologies and look how technology from electric cars to cell phones to the TV sets we watch, look how the technologies are just influencing us and growing every mm-hmm. day. We can piggyback off that. So I I think it'll do nothing but
1: increase. Final question, and this is something I've asked everyone about. Um, The Google move into uh, ophthalmology, the deal they have with Novartis. I mean, this technology could be one of those industries you referred to earlier that has maybe developed some some way of doing something outside of eye care but is able to move into it. Do do you see it that way? Do you see some game-changing technology coming from a Google or Apple?
2: Well, wow. uh, you yeah, that that's a great example for my last answer. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> I mean, that's just absolutely perfect example. Um, here we have a beautiful pure technology company that builds this. Um, you know that somehow I, I don't know the history of how they got hold of this. I think they developed it in house, and then um, Alcon, uh, to their credit, Alcon Novartis went and said, you know, let's work with this, which I think was uh, very intelligent. What will come of that? I don't know, but what could come of that? Uh, that could easily be some sort of you know. We have technologies that stand alone, and then we have technologies that you know I call enabling technologies, and they make other things possible. Uh, you know, you could never have a laptop without a LCD display. So if we would have stuck with CRT, laptops never would have been developed. Of course, the transistor or if, if flat screens never would have developed, we'd never be with laptops. The transistor was the ultimate uh, transformative or enabling technology, if you think about it. And that Google contact lens could easily be an enabling technology. You know, and Currently, it's to monitor diabetes. Well, that's great. But what if it were to monitor pressure in the eye? Or what if it were to monitor um, macular changes? Or what if it were to be able to be focusable in the, um, uh, you know, d- d- communicate with a a battery for a uh, intraocular lens or partner of something like that. I mean, there's just so many different um, possibilities for a technology like that that I would, um, it's a great example. I should have thought of that one. <laughs>
1: well, that's what I'm here
2: for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was a great conversation. I appreciate the time, and I look forward to seeing you in, uh, in Chicago at OIS. Fantastic.
2: Enjoy talking with you. Take care.
1: Thanks for being part of that L.O.S. podcast with Stephen Slade. Next week, I'll have the opportunity to speak with Vince Anito, Chairman and CEO of Avery Pharmaceuticals. Please listen in, and we'll see you in Chicago.
0: Don't miss your chance to attend the next Ophthalmology Innovation Summit at AAO on October 16th in Chicago. OIS will showcase market-changing technologies and provide a forum for industry leaders to discuss and debate the challenges and opportunities facing this dynamic industry. Hear what world-renowned ophthalmologist and inventor Dr. Steve Charles has to say. This is a great forum to get everybody in the same
1: room. These are not separate parts of the puzzle. They've got to be a cohesive unit to work together. We can't see the FDA or the venture capital communities adversarial. They've got to be part of the process. And so this is dialogue. That's what this is about. And it was a very effective forum for that. It's the fifth time they've held it. It's also very effective in the spring at the ASCRS
0: meeting. I'm delighted to be a part of it. So visit the new OIS Supersite for more details
2: and to register at www.ois.net.